I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Another wild weekend. And this one is extra spicy because it's after the international break. And we have, of course, so much to discuss, including the Premier League, where Liverpool keep on rolling and some other teams, including yours truly and Jimmy Conrad does not. We also go to Serie A and La Liga and much, much more. Guess what? I'm happy because the band is back together again. Heath Pierce, Jimmy Conrad, myself, Luis Miguel, Echegaray, Que Golazo Weekend Rica begins right now. Everybody, welcome to Kegolasso Weekend Recap. Oh my goodness, it's been a while. Before I get into all the uh, call to actions, I wanted to welcome you all. By the way, if you're watching this on YouTube, we are live. And please, if you have a question or comment, make sure that you do it right now. We want to answer, we want to talk to you in this episode, of course. So make sure that you follow us and watch us as well right here. But we're on Kegolasso Pod Twitter as well. Heath Pierce, how are you, bud? I'm doing good. I am doing well. It's great to have that energy back. We've missed you, man. Right when we popped on today, I was like, man, I'm used to this on a much more regular flow, but obviously international break. Didn't get a chance to chat with you all the time. It's good to see you again. It's good to see you and Jimmy Conrad. Always good to see you, brother. How are you? Great to see you. I know that we're suffering together. We had big leads. Well, at least the lead against our our favorite teams did in the Premier League, and they ended up losing. So high five to you, <laughs> Luis. An air high five, buddy. An air. Yeah, we are telling. And then uh, Heath is smiling because his team didn't even play yet. It's a Monday hey, game as well. <laughs> I, I will say that Jimmy wore his Newcastle shirt, so I brought this uh, little uh, espresso glass for anybody that's watching this on video. That's actually an Arab man in a kafia, which is the new... Uh, you know when they wear the head, the head, the traditional head uh, right. gear in in the Middle East. So I'm 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 taking a shot of of somebody wearing that right now, an espresso shot, Jimmy. Just because I see a lot of people in this in Jimmy's stadium uh, wearing this uh, special outfit now. Yeah, uh, which I don't love, by the way. But we can uh, we can get into it, of course. Uh, but there is definitely a lot to discuss, uh, as you said, Heath. Of course, with Newcastle, and we'll begin there in the Premier League in a second. But before I do that, everybody, I just want to salute. Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce on a, another fantastic, fantastic international window. Y'all killed it. Y'all had some good people. Drake Cordero was here. We saw Vasquez. You had a good time, Jimmy. Was it was it as much fun uh, uh, as it usually is with you and Heath? Yeah, it's fun, but it's a bit of a roller coaster emotionally. I think that Heath and I are, are tied to the U.S. men's national team in a way that we can't be tied to anything else just because we've lived the experience as players. And now, obviously, we want them to have as much success as possible and stand on our shoulders. I want the, all these players to be 10 times as good as I ever was. And they're, they're pretty much there, but now I want to see them succeed, you know? So, so it's tough when I see them struggle when you know, they could maybe do a couple different things and maybe that's more Burhalter than the players, but yeah, there's a lot to discuss and, and I assume it's going to continue to be a roller coaster. So buckle up everybody. Heath, are you buckled up? Are you ready as well for <laughs> November? Yeah. It's one of those things where you come out of the end of it and you realize that you're going back into the dramatics of club soccer too. So after the international break, I realized like, man, 
good thing, good thing football's done for a bit. And then you realize, like, no, in two days, the club stuff begins again. And now we've got to track all these players, see how they're doing, see if they're healthy, see if they're in good form, coming back into uh, the no- November stuff. So uh, overall, I'm excited. But uh, yeah, man, it's been a lot of fun so far. It's been a lot of fun. And by the way, uh, you know, as you may or may not know, I'm Peruvian. So I just wanted to, you know, just basically jump off a building. But apart from that, it was great. Hey, by the way, everybody, make sure that you keep on asking those questions and those comments as well. Some of you are going to be listening as well in podcast form. That's very nice of you. Thank you. And you know what's even nicer? To subscribe to the Kegolasso podcast wherever you get your pods and take a minute to just leave us a glowing rating uh, review. Uh, by the way, you can do that while you listen. It's amazing. You can multitask. All right. So, but do thank it, you, everybody. It, do it in all caps as well. Like really, <laughs> really mean it with exclamation points. And an emoji as well, like a heart <laughs> yeah. emoji, if, if you're allowed to do that. But anyway, Heath Pierce, Jimmy Conrad, let's begin the weekend, Rika. We begin, of course, in the Premier League. And yes, Jimmy Conrad, we will begin at St. James's Park, it was uh, obviously, uh, we knew that the energy was going to be there. We knew that the fans were going to be loud, uh, as you may know, of course, uh, under new majority Saudi Arabian ownership. Uh, this is now a new story that is developing in Newcastle. However, the result remains as Tottenham wins 3-2 against Newcastle. So Newcastle remains without a win in the Premier League. Uh, they remain in the bottom three as well. By the way, as well as Norwich and Burnley, this is, uh, I think, the second time in Premier League history where at this point in the season, three teams have not gotten um, a win so far. And by the way, in that time, uh, I-, I have to go back and check the the season. But in that time, two of those three got relegated. One of them uh, survived. So we'll see what happens there. But aside from that, everybody, it was Steve Bruce's 1,000th uh, game. Um, and by the way, we also obviously have to discuss the fact that the game was halted due to uh, a supporter in the stands uh, get a, having a cardiac arrest. And just amazing uh, how everybody came together. The, the fans were and pleading the players to signal the referee to stop. Sergio Reilon obviously alerted the referee. Oliver Skip as well. And uh, Eric Dyer gra- grabbed a defibrillator or appointed for them to go over. So we believe that uh, he was stabilized or she was stabilized. I'm not sure, male or female, maybe somebody can guarantee that. But uh, they were, they're in the hospital and they're now stabilized. Uh, this is the Newcastle tweet. The supporter who was in need of urgent medical assistance has been stabilized and is on their way to the hospital. And I believe in hospital itself uh, as well was responsive, et cetera. So uh, from that perspective, it was great. But anyway... Uh, let's focus on the game itself, Jimmy, and Newcastle as they lose 3-2 to Tottenham. Harry Kane got a goal finally, and Son as well, et cetera. Talk to me. Yeah, I mean, you meant all those stats, you know, didn't win a game, haven't won a game since the last day of the last season, and blah, 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 blah. Listen, we got money to solve problems, man. We got, we got, we got to swim in money. We're Scrooge McDuck, baby. We got to swim in all of our gold, and we're going to figure it out, and we're going to solve problems. You go tell me those other teams that got relegated, they have the same issue with new owners that have billions of dollars. They don't. So, you know what? We're going to figure it out. Maybe that's a strong maybe in there. And, and I was excited for the first 15 minutes, that energy that we saw from the team, the excitement that you could tell they were building off of the energy and the excitement of the new owners. And, and obviously I think in some capacity, these players have something to prove because I don't think Steve Bruce is going to be managing them much longer. So it's whoever they're trying to impress is going to be the next manager. And, and now there's just a different type of buzz around the team. And then, of course, then Nambele said, you know what? I'm going to score a banger of a goal. I'm going to shut you up. And then we're going to score another one. And then another one right before halftime. And you guys are going to go back to being Newcastle. And that was very humbling. But for 15 minutes, 
it was all roses. And I was I I was feeling a feeling I haven't felt in a long time wearing a Newcastle kit. So 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 I'll take it. Maybe maybe next game we can get to 20 minutes of feeling good instead of <laughs> I, 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 I wanted to say I, I wanted to say two things real quick. Not to jump back to to uh what had happened in the stands, but I think obviously going back to the summer, I think one of the things that the positives that came out of such a potential tragic incident with well, I guess it was tragic with with Christian Erickson was was the awareness of what to do in these situations, right? The whole world sort of came together to better educate everyone. I had a friend who's worked in medical sales. He actually sold those devices uh, for the last like 15 years of just saying like the importance of these is just having them in every gym and every workout place and every whatever. And there's like books out there from, from um, Alberto Salazar who had one on the Nike campus when he collapsed and things like that. I just think that there's a better awareness and education for uh, all of us common people that aren't necessarily spending our times amongst uh, in, in, in the athletic world or in the sort of elite uh, kind of physical uh, whatever world. Um, so I thought that was, Kind of, uh, at least I think, a, a, some, an education that came out of this summer. With regard to this game, by the way, I was thinking about this, and I was trying to process in my mind, right, when Abramovich came in in 2003, spent money after you have the, the Invincibles year, and comes in and kind of immediate impact. I don't know if we are in an era where that can work as easily anymore, right? To come in and... and, and uh, it, spend a bunch of money and get it right. Back then, it kind of caught everyone off off guard. It was the first splash of big money into the Premier League. Now we've seen it with Manchester City, fresh blood, but now it's just, it's so convoluted. And then you add Liverpool to that conversation. You've got Chelsea. Yeah, you have Man United who can still spend, but they're on the outskirts of of, of new spending. And I just wonder, like, what could what could Newcastle possibly do to build a team that will, will satisfy the now expectations of a blank check, right? It's only winning a trophy, right? You couldn't just become a Champions League club. Jimmy, you as a fan, would that be good enough to be a Champions League club? Or when somebody comes in like this that doesn't have the background, that doesn't come from sort of, I guess, the British football culture and local ownership, so to speak, it's it's a conglomerate coming in. Is it good enough to make the Champions League? Is it good enough to be fighting for a top six? Or does this new demand come with, with uh, trophies only? No, no, no. I think there's got to be an evolution of it. I think it's taking steps to that. I mean, I'll even use the Liverpool model and Fenway Sports Group with Jurgen Klopp. They Once they found the right manager to kind of unlock some of the things, then they started to build piece by piece. Okay, we almost won the Champions League. We lost in the final, but we probably need a, we need a better goalkeeper. They got Allison, right? They needed a center back prior to that. They went and got Van Dyke. And when I look at Newcastle overall, I'm looking from those Actually, those positions first, like the spine of the team. Yeah, we, we already have some guys. Callum Wilson's a serviceable Premier League player, scored today. He knows how to score goals in the league. Alonson Maximin is super talented, right? You start to build around him. Yeah, but Jimmy, this help. is uh, it's still I, it's still Newcastle versus Liverpool. I, Liverpool was still Liverpool on some level. I, I get no, no, that's no. fair. And I think it's gonna be hard because I don't know who wants to live in, in Newcastle. From what I understand, it's not the most desirable place to live in. So oh, careful, you know, Jimmy Conrad. I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying that 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 Chelsea live in London, right? Or Chelsea's in London, you know, PSG's in Paris. I'm in Manchester. I don't know. You know, I, I mean I've been to Manchester and and I get, you know, there's some obviously there's pull to every city, and I, and Newcastle's got that warmth too to to the, the people and the culture, but it just doesn't have that sex appeal that like a, say a Madrid or a Barcelona or any of these places might have. So, so I think that's going to be an interesting one to see which, which player is going to sign first. What's going to be the first domino to fall? Is it the manager? I assume it's a manager is going to have to come in and then have to convince. Cause it's going to be, I think it's going to take it's five a big or six name? years. Is it a big name? Uh, as manager or player? 
Like either one, do you think one of them ha- does it have to be? I think, huge I think the manager, the to kick a, man, off? a manager has to be a, a has to be a big name as a manager. In, well, in you said somebody opinion. already. Who do you? Think? I, I think Frank Lampard feels somewhat reasonable because he's going to be some of a transition guy. You bring him in for a year or two, and you let him transition. I actually thought he built a pretty good team at Chelsea. He added some pieces that are obviously having success now. So he's got team building. He seems okay, and and but and and knowing that whoever takes it. First, probably isn't going to have it for very long. I think it's whoever gets it second can really take what's been built and, and go from there. So you have to be really thoughtful mm-hmm. about who you hire. Antonio Conte, you know, he never stays very long at places. He could be somebody that you could consider. Uh, I really like Christophe Galtier. You know, he already left. In the, I mean, there's a ton of pl- people that I like, but but it's going to be and a big None challenge. of them are going to understand the Jordi accent, by the way. Well, That's the, just well, yeah, well, there's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot. But yeah. but then from there, who do you sign? Do you go with a younger yeah. player like a Koundé, you know, get him from Sevilla and start to build from the back and go forward or it's it's really interesting because you could go get a James Ward-Prowse maybe from Southampton or Frank Kessier his contract's up soon you know I mean there's players you can go out and get yeah. and probably build a good team but, All right. but then what so, so anyway let's, this goes on and on no 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 I, I like where you went to because I want to play a little game with everybody here uh if you're watching on on YouTube let's do a little game uh, <laughs> uh for you guys uh commenting if you think that it should be Frank Lampard vote F if you think it's C uh, for Conte, if you think it's Conte, both C. And uh, if you go for uh, Christian Galtier, uh, go for G. So Super right great. now, F is killing it, I believe. Uh, F is killing it. And uh, well, that was just me. That was I, I just threw the Fs into our private group chat, <laughs> spamming it just so everybody knows how I feel. I threw F is killing it because Heath Pierce is just <laughs> spamming us completely. Uh, by the way, Ilias from Somalia, thank you so much for watching. Uh, also is in the same trend as you, Jimmy Conrad, thinking St. Maximum obviously will, it has to stay. And I think one of the big things about St. Maximum, by the way, was he wanted to see a vision. This was before all this happened. And I think this has solidified maybe the reason for him staying. Willock as well. Uh, listen, here's the thing. I think uh, to your point, Jimmy, it's going to be interesting to see what that first player is. Steve Bruce, I'll be surprised if he's here tomorrow, to be honest with you. You know, so there's definitely going to be a change in manager. I just think like that first player, to your point, Jimmy, it's going to be <laughs> crucial. Jimmy, by the way, Jimmy Gonzalez says Newcastle need God at this point. Yeah, um, I agree. His name's well, Erwin Hollands. Thank you, Jimmy Martinez. <laughs> I, I, Jimmy Gonzalez, I appreciate but, you. No, but Jimmy Gonzalez, um, Emiliano Martinez already plays for. Uh, <laughs> he's fine. Money won't save them. Uh, well, we will see what happens. Listen, Man City went through hell and back before they got bought out. Chelsea, I think to your point, Heath, completely changed the narrative of the Premier League. I think that that began everything. Jay, uh, agree with Heath. They can't get success just as quickly now because there are more players. Progress will be much slower, but it's almost guaranteed with money. But it's going to be like what, Heath? Three, four-year process, you think? I, I, it's I'd hard five or six. Yeah, five it's, or it's six? just it's yeah. a hard starting point, right? Because you, mm-hmm. you do have a few pieces that you can add to. But if you look at... Sort of. Who were the early ones of 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 the Man City days? That was uh, Aguero. It was what's his name? The 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 um, the French French kid, um, Jeco. I'm I'm just trying to think through the early days. Uh, Crespo on on the Chelsea side too. Robinho? Like Robinho was it Robinho? Their big first sign. Robinho was one of the main ones. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and like you need to get a few right, you get a few wrong, and then you need to have some momentum. But it, it's all like you. There's no there's no love lost in the league now, right? Like we're talking about 
five, at least four teams. Yeah, that so I'm going to tell you exactly what yeah. happened during the summer of 2009. Right. The club oh, like went nuts. Right. Spent like 100 million pounds in that time. Right. 2009. Uh, Gareth Barry came in. Roque Santa Cruz. Colo Toure. Emmanuel Adebayor. Carlos Tevez. Julian Lesca. Right. And then obviously uh, Mancini as well. So that was the foundation. So I see the similar thing here with Newcastle. You're not necessarily buying Haaland like in January. Right. That's not going to happen. But build a foundation of like three players that will make this team stronger. And at least, listen, here's the number one thing. Stay in the Premier League, Newcastle. That, that's your yeah, first objective. Yeah, yeah, like there's yeah. there's nothing more else. Uh, if you're thinking win the Premier League, like you said, Jimmy, it's going to be a, a long, long process, Jimmy Conrad. I just think then Big Sam Allardyce might be the choice here, fellas. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, you know, hurt. he's got a good track record, almost like 95% of keeping teams up. That said, I mean, I, I again, it kind of, you're echoing my sentiments of, really thinking through and, and, and building more of a core and building around some, some players that maybe aren't at the wrong end of 30 or over on the wrong side of 30 years old and trying to find guys that can really, you know, Franck Kessier would be a, would be a six signing in my humble opinion. Mm. And if you started to add a couple of those pieces and now people are paying attention to what you're doing and you bring in that manager like a Mancini to, to kind of start to connect the dots, then yeah, then I think you can't, you're going to miss some as he says. Now, what I would add to to this is the youth academy thing. You know, are they going to go the Chelsea route and just buy as many young players as possible and then loan them out all over the place? Man City does very something very similar. They got to somehow make sure there's still an avenue for their young players. So you still have that connection to to the area, uh, and I think that I hope that doesn't get lost in all of this because you still see Liverpool put out a Trent Alexander Arnold. They still see Liverpool put out a Harvey Elliott. Like they're still some levels yeah. and they're, they're trying to be well balanced. And I use them as the most recent example of kind of having this most recent success with an influx of some serious money. And so, you know, I, I, uh, it's interesting times obviously, but again, I, I, as much as I'm a Newcastle fan, I'm still cautiously optimistic that we're going to figure it out. And I think it's going to take five or six years to, to really get to a level where they're in the, the conversation for the top four, you know, every single season. Yeah, because like one fact, and I'm just going to end it with this. One fact remains. Before the takeover, they were 18th. After this weekend, they're 19th with no wins. <laughs> that's just the truth. That's just the truth. Thanks, right, thanks. Let, Appreciate the fact. Hey, listen, I'm about to talk about Villain. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Let's talk about, by the way, those who are going strong. Let's talk about the top three. Des Norris, let's put at that table on the screen as we keep talking about the Premier League. We began, of course, a Saturday early morning with a Liverpool thrashing of what for Claudio Ranieri, uh, I don't know, maybe he's thinking, maybe I should have like stayed in Italy instead of doing what's going on here because they really faced the wrath of Liverpool as they went nuts, 5 nothing. Manchester City won 2-0 against Burnley. It wasn't a 5 nothing as it usually is in that game, but it was 2 <laughs> nothing to Manchester City. And Brentford, I thought, were very good. And it took a very good Edward Mendy to maintain anything here as Chelsea won uh, won nothing against Brentford in that West London derby. Anything from that top three, by the way, as we look uh, in the Premier League. So basically, Liver uh, Chelsea are on top with 19 points, Liverpool uh, with 18, Man City with 17. Heath, anything from that? Yeah, just that how good, you know, I, I haven't said the name Bobby Firmino in a while because of injuries oh. and stuff, but just how, you know, and I know Jurgen Klopp says this is, he's his best player when he is fit and healthy, and you, you saw in his hat trick, over the week, I think he had an assist as well. Um, just how good he is and how how good that team is. Obviously, not as well, not as much rotated as I would have expected as, as you had with the Man City side. 
who, who rotated quite a few players and, and were, were pretty comfortable in possession, 70 plus percent possession kind of start to finish. Not a wildly impressive game, but overall, again, we, you know, my theme going into this weekend was a lot, very much about what do you do with all of the, the, the squad rotations? And we saw wildly different. Some played their best teams after an international break. Some rested everybody and rolled the dice. And it's just a very challenging weekend to come back from. Um, but overall, you know, it's great to see those three teams continuing to get those results coming back from a, from, from a weekend where even if you're a manager, you don't know who you can actually roll out probably 48 hours before your game. Yeah. yeah, I'd jump in and just say that Chelsea looks like they're surviving. You know, I feel like that was a theme going into the international break that they're doing just enough to get results. And that's a sign of a good team, right? You're still digging it out and figuring it out. And Brentford were very good and, and got to feel hard done by. They didn't at least get a draw on that one. But like, but to your point, Mendy, they've only given up three goals all season. That's really impressive on a Chelsea standpoint. Man City, very professional performance on both sides of the ball. Fair play to them. Bernardo Silva actually looks very sharp right now in particular. And then with regard to Liverpool, they're the only team in the Premier League not to lose. And they have three draws, five wins and three draws. And the last two draws were against Man City, which we could argue they should have locked it down at 2-1. Obviously, a deflected goal changes that, makes it 2-2. Yeah. They could have won that game, right? And then you think about the Brentford game where they gave up the lead a couple times there. I mean, they were, they're so close to, to really being unstoppable in so many different ways if they can just shore it up defensively. And they get to play against Manchester United after, uh, this upcoming weekend after playing against Atletico Madrid. Are they the best team in Europe, Jimmy? They got to be considered for sure. And I think Mo Salah's got to be in there for currently the best player in Europe, along with Benzema and Lewandowski uh, right now. But uh, Mo Salah's on something fierce. He just seems to be enjoying what he's doing and everything seems to be working out for him. And Is he and the best player in the world, Jimmy? I mean, currently, it's hard to say otherwise. The guy has got the special sauce. He is really just, it, it looks, the game just looks easy. Everything he's trying to pull off is working. And, and uh, I just don't think there's any sign of slowing down. I, my, my vote would be for Mo Salah right now, with all due respect to all the other competitors. If, we, if we're just looking at from the start of the season, you'd have to say that Mo Salah has got to be the top, if not one of the top one or two. Yeah. Heath? Yeah, there, there was a... Uh, some controversy over the weekend that somebody put up a, a meme comparing Ronaldinho and Mo Salah. Yeah, please and it's don't been do reposted please, please over and over again. <laughs> and people don't are going, do that. Crazy. Don't people are going crazy about it right now. And obviously, most people in the, in, are, are leaning towards saying, hey, take this down. This doesn't even deserve to be up. But but you just look at Mo Salah's form and what he's doing right now. And obviously, completely, completely different types of players. But it was it was one of those things that was rarely can you make the internet uh, go crazy. And that was certainly one of them, you know? I was so angry. I wanted to throw my phone. I thought, like, it's just young people being so dumb. I'm sorry. Like, Mohamed Salah's incredible. Please, just, you did not, you, <laughs> run out of Wait, wasn't it Ben White who said that he, he didn't watch, he was too busy playing soccer growing up that he didn't watch much? <laughs> he's like, I know Patrick Vieira, uh, but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't know anything about him. I know he was a good player. And like, that sort of, th those are the same people throwing up the most Salah argument right now yeah exactly hey by the way i want to know everybody because since we're talking such a global game here mohammed salah ronaldinho uh jimmy's on the west coast so is heath i'm in new york uh des norris and floor where are you uh watching this from if you're a comment if you're watching right now please let us know we just had uh Ilya, i believe uh apologies if i got your name or you were from somalia uh i want to know where everybody's watching it's really well great also you have to add like where who do you support yeah, you know, that's if, the other thing. If it's, if it's Arsenal, we're going to make fun of you. I mean, well, there, there was an Arsenal <laughs> in there. I was saying that money eventually wins. And you could just, I knew what the pain that they were, Jimmy, they were saying was. Keith, if it's Arsenal, uh, I'm shutting this whole thing. <laughs> All right, let's keep going here, by the way, in the Premier League. All right, here we go. Losers of the weekend. <sighs> Aston Villa had a 2 nothing 
goal lead in the 80th minute, and we fell like a pancake in a cupboard. That's an English saying <laughs> nobody understands. But And Wolves, listen, uh, Adama Traore was a one-man wrecking machine, and he helped uh, Wolves to come back from behind and win 3-2. So they win. But also Manchester United, everybody. Uh, the vibes of Manchester United, as James Bench likes to say, they lose 4-2 to Leicester City. So uh, let's talk. Uh, we can go anywhere here. Jimmy, let's begin with you. Obviously, Villa losing 3-2. Uh, as they fall and crumble to uh, Wolves, but also Manchester United. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer continues to get the vote of confidence. My question is, why? What's going on? I mean, we've talked about this forever, but you can go anywhere here. But Man United losing 4-2. What do you think? Oh, I don't know where to start here. I guess with Ole Gunnar and, and the manager, I mean, when you get the the, the public vote of confidence and the owners come out, it's like the kiss of death. I mean, you're, you're, I just feel like, they either haven't worked out the terms with whoever the next manager is going to be with, or they're they're not close yet, and they got to figure out what's going to happen and how they're going to make that transition. Anytime you see that, it's it's a red flag that uh, things aren't going well. So it's almost like you don't want the public vote of confidence. If I was somebody like, hey, just hey, owners, don't don't if you're not like if you're not liking me, just don't say you have your, you got my back. I don't want to see any of that in the papers. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. It's like but when I look man. at Manchester United, the whole Cristiano Ronaldo thing is interesting. I don't actually think he's good for the team. And that might come controversial or feel controversial or whatever. He's going to score his goals. He's going to have an impact in some capacity. He might raise the level of professionalism at the club. He might be a good role model for some of the younger players. But when it comes to getting out there and, and, and helping the tactics of kind of what they've already built, which included mm. Jaden Sancho coming in and being very dynamic out on the wings, Ronaldo, I feel like in some ways, this kind of gets in the way. And that feels really weird to say. Now, in some some I don't know, parallel universe, if he had gone to City, I almost feel like he fits in better there because he can just be the big number nine. They maintain a lot of the ball. Well, that's and why he, they didn't let him go there. Well, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> so now you take that, though, and now you can't sub him off. Like, you, you have this – the only gunner I feel like is stuck now with Ronaldo that he might not have wanted. But, but, of course, you don't want him to go to City. You don't want him to go to any of the competitors. He's a club legend. So – you bring him back into the fold, and now you're kind of square peg, round hole. And now I think we're starting to see, yeah, it was great, and everybody wanted the nostalgia, but I don't know if he necessarily fits. And if we look at the game overall, it's a bit of a microcosm because you had some great individual brilliance. The goal by Mason Greenwood, fantastic. But yeah. where is that consistent? And we talked about it before, that, 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 that team dynamic. Like, how are they trying to get at you consistently? It still feels very individualistic. Uh, Marcus Rashford came off the bench and scored a great goal as well but defensively they only've had one clean sheet in their last 19 games yeah and and we could argue they gave up four goals and David De Gea was the best player on the fields so so for them at least and that that's crazy to me until they get that kind of righted I don't know they're going to win anything and I actually tweeted out that I don't think Manchester United's going to win this season I was I was hoping that they could possibly push for it but after what I saw we were talking game, about it I just I just don't I just don't see it because they're not comprehensive on both sides of the ball. There's too many little, little vulnerabilities. And I don't know. I don't, I want to hear you guys' thoughts. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the one thing that I would say is defensively, right? Harry Maguire, uh, bad turnover, get punished. But then there was the, then there was, uh, goal, by the way, though. Oh my oh, yeah. God. Unbelievable. You get punished for it. I, I get Ooh. it. It's phenomenal. Uh, but the, uh, the Matic turnover, he yeah. was slow in transition. Yeah. Yeah. Pogba could have uh, sprinted back and there was slow in transition. But I look at just sort of that defensive six and I go back to, uh, fortunately, we, we've moved away 
from from um, comparing everybody or wanting every team to have. Uh, I'm blanking on his name now. Holding midfielder at Chelsea. Um, Angolo Conte. Angolo Conte. How could you ever forget his name, Heath? Because I was always all I've been thinking about is Ronaldinho since I brought him. (laughs) I can't I can't get him off my mind. But Angolo Conte type that's faster in transition that understands that that makes the game more predictable in in ways that doesn't make it more complex but actually makes it easier. And when I think about just the whole that is the transition game of Man United, it just seems like it can be one pass, it can be five passes, but eventually the other team is getting to the box very quickly against them, and they're very, very disorganized. And it seems like, okay, we can talk about Ronaldo, we can talk about Bruno Fernandes, and I still think with the two of them on the field, you're going to get brilliance, but you're going to get a lot of half chances, wasted buildups, things like that, where they both have this world-class ability to create magic. But if they're both trying to create magic from nothing, it's hard to find a rhythm. And I think we're not going to see the best of Jaden Sancho, which is why he's going to be a, continue to be a bit part player. Why Rashford's going to struggle to find the form as, as he comes back in. Why Greenwood has moments of brilliance but still doesn't know where he needs to be. And, I, and I, as Jimmy said, it's so many little pieces that I'm just like, do I, if, I, if somebody was like, hey, you get one day to work with this team, you know, focus on the back or focus on the attack. I don't know which one is the bigger problem uh, with this team trying to go on this run towards winning a trophy. But for me, at a minimum, when you look at the quality that they have on uh, offensively, and I know it's going to take a lot for them to score, I still say defensively, there's there's a problem. They need to shore that up. They can't keep giving up goals. If they're going to give up goals, they're never going to be able to compete. They're going to have to create too many moment, individual moments of brilliance. The rest, they can, find in, they can find a rhythm. They can learn to play together over time. But if you're giving up goals, you're never going to do that because each player is going to start thinking, oh man, I got to do a little bit more. I got to create a little bit more. And I think it's going to, it's tough to find a cohesion or a team balance if you're wanting to do that. Yeah, the only thing that I'm just going to add here, by the way, is that everybody just needs to forget. Remember before even Ronaldo came, okay? The biggest issue for Manchester United wasn't the goals. I mean, they have it. They can score it. Marcus Rashford, when he's healthy, Mason Greenwood, as we mentioned, one of the best finishers out there, I think. It's about the fact that when they lose the ball, the moment they lose the ball, wherever it is on the pitch, they look lost. They look absolutely lost. That's why James Bench calls them vibes, because it's like they rely so much on individual brilliance. Bruno Fernandes was that good in January when he arrived. And he sort of like masqueraded a lot of the collective issues that Manchester United was having. I just Mm -hmm. to your point about how many goals they've conceded, Jimmy Conrad, they're just they're just they're not they're not a good team. They're not. They're not well managed. And I think that and I think that really goes all the way. I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is a good man. I was a very big fan of watching him play during the 90s. I think he's a great man manager. Players like him, obviously, he is not the person for this job. I, by the way, I, I, I just wanted to say one last thing on that. When Pog, when they asked Pogba about it, one of the things he included and in things that need to change is the tactics. He was like, we need blah, blah, blah. And then he threw tactics into the middle of that where I'm like, oh, I'm, yeah, I that, think he, that's a grenade. He rolled yeah, a grenade right yeah, into the room. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and I, you know, he was like kind of like energy and I don't remember what the exact quote was. Maybe Des can find that whatever he said after the game, but it, it, he threw tactics in there that needs to change. It was like things that need to change. And I was like, Oh, okay. He's starting to poke and prod a little bit at, at, uh, and Des and I were actually talking about it uh, offline about how you, br- you bring in all these other players to do these things. But if you don't have the right, system in place mm-hmm, if you don't have the right mm-hmm. players in place to make Pogba better because I, co- I complain about Pogba all the time uh, but I also don't think he's being put in the positions to be his best um, if, if his job is to have to put out fires all the time defensively is, is that really where you want a player like that and so yeah him making that jab I'm like oh man that's uh I'm reading that and I'm reading that, in, <laughs> that in all, I'm reading that in all caps uh, <laughs> I, I think Ole Gunnar 
they've just reached a ceiling with him. I don't, this is as yeah. good as it's going to get with him as manager. Yeah, this is the and, yeah. and, and for a long time, you know, he couldn't get past the semifinals. And now he finally got to a couple finals last season. I don't think he's a good enough manager to, to cry, climb that mountaintop and get there. And we've, I feel like they've given him more than enough time to figure that out. Obviously, he supplied him with more than enough players to figure that out. Not only did they give him that public backing, they said they'd give him $70 million in this transfer window to, to go kind of finalize that one last player. I'm like, okay, well, it better be Wilfred Ndidi or N'Golo Kante because that's, or Franck Kessier potentially, because you need somebody who can just sit there and do that work so you can free up the Pogbas to, to do a little bit more and, and allow them to be a little bit more free going forward. I, it's, it's, I, I don't think they're too far away. You know, there's still maybe one or two players and, and a manager away from, from really competing, but we'll see. Luis, I got a question which, uh, for you. It's a big need as well, by the way. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. By the way, if you're a Manchester United fan, uh, please uh, let us know what, what do you think as well. And don't forget to uh, keep commenting as well. And if you're listening on parts as well, make sure that you leave a review. You want to say something, Heath? Because uh, Des did yeah. find a quote from you. Did you want to read it, Heath? Not the whole thing, but... I won't I won't read the whole thing, but he says we need to change something. We need to find the mentality and tactics to win. We have to look at this <laughs> and individuals and, and as a team to fix that. So it's kind of yeah. like, hey, we'll take and some tactics. blame, but you need to take some blame. But Luis, my, 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 the question that I wanted to ask you guys is, you know, we talk about how he's reached this point. The sad part about this is when you go from interim to manager to to this, like if there was a plan in place for the hand off, handing off of the baton of like, we know he's going to take it to a certain point, right? When you looked at the Brendan Rogers handoff to Jurgen Klopp, I don't know if that was a project that led to the next point, but I think they saw a ceiling there at a certain point. People were saying, yeah, but his record is worse than, than Brendan Rogers was at this point after 50 games or whatever it was that they were comparing him. But it seemed like there was this pr- progress, right? And so that you can look at Brendan Rogers time and say, Hey, that was successful getting it to a point. Would you say that this is successful getting it to the point in terms of where it's at? Or is it just something that's not working and it needs something new? I mean, is this... I'm just got, the only thing that I'm going to say here, right, is that the because I've read comments about United fans saying, look what happened with the club and how like they gave him time and all that stuff. Klopp came in with an identity. You know exactly what you're getting with Jurgen Klopp. That's why it took time because those players were like, we need to figure it out. And once they did, it's heavy metal football. You get it. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer doesn't have that kind of identity. He's also had five windows. Like, and, and it's a the, lot of windows. And you know what? It's not even Solskjaer's fault. Everything changed when they beat PSG in the Champions League that time. And he got a new contract and everything changed. And Pochettino was still available. I'm not saying that he would have been the one, but at least Manchester United, the reason why they were so good in the 90s, you knew what the hell they were about. And that's what Manchester United need to do again. And they need a manager that comes in. Honestly, like, it's not going to happen. But Antonio Conte coming in and saying, we are Manchester United. This is what we're going to do. You don't lose the ball like that. And if you do, you kill yourself to get it back. And that's not the identity that they have uh, with that. Yeah, go ahead, Jim. Just really quick. I have a personal story that ties into this because one of my daughters is playing youth soccer. And they're playing a couple times, training a couple times a week. And then I watch the games and I'm going like, what are they working on all week? Like what, what's the plan here? You know, defensively attacking wise in transition, both with, with or without the ball. Like, I don't know. Okay. Psycho dad. Okay. No, psycho what? dad. No, I'm, Jeez, I don't say anything. Huh? I'm sit just in your say- car. Stop yelling at everyone. <laughs> I don't yell at anybody. You idiot. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> what I'm saying is I think man United fans look at the same thing and they look at the field. And they're like, what do you guys work on all week? You know, why isn't there a plan? <laughs> why are you giving up goals? 
you know, you only have one clean sheet in the last 19 games. Yeah, that's not what good. are you doing? And then on the attacking side of the ball, why is this so hard? We have so many talented players, both old and young. Why can't we figure this out? So I, I, I'm frustrated for United fans and I'm the other United fan and I'm suffering as well, but I get it in a different way. <laughs> yeah, well, th there it is. By the way, uh, don't forget to uh, keep going with those comments. We're going to take a quick break. If you're watching this on YouTube, that means that we literally take half a second break and then we come back on podcast is a full on commercial. Uh, so you can take a pause and everything, but we'll be right back. And when we come back, by the way, Serie A, La Liga, Bundesliga, and some uh, final thoughts as well with Heath Pierce and Jimmy Conrad. We can recap. We'll be right Right back. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, everybody. I told you we'd be back if you're watching on YouTube and we're right here. Amazing, right? It just We just pop up. We, we never left. But thank you for being part of this family. All right, let's move on. Let's leave uh, the UK um, like UK left Europe. And let's go to Serie A. Juventus Roma. Tammy Abraham did start. There were a few worries because he picked up a knock in the international break, but he did start. But Moise Kane scored. Uh, Chesney uh, saved a penalty. That means that Juventus beat Roma and Mourinho with a nice little pat on, on, on the head of Allegri, I think I saw, by the way. So um, let's go with you first, uh, Heath Pierce. Juventus beats Roma. Mourinho loses to Allegri. Juventus, are they get, they got their mojo back? Uh, I, I was a little worried that the international break was going to pass him, but this is a big win. Yeah, I think that's four in a row now in the league. It's it's a huge win. I think it's a definitive win for them. Obviously, a scrappy result. And the thing about Juventus, if you look at their team, it's it's they got a lot of old people. Uh, so it wasn't like they had a whole bunch of them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, look at that. That's uh, it's fantastic. Oh, gosh, I, Mourinho, would you want him at Newcastle? Okay, Jimmy, we can't well, go back. He to did Newcastle. talk. He did. Yeah. Well, he did talk about. But no, let's yeah. talk about okay. Juventus first. Not, 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 not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. Uh, yeah. Look, I think I think Juventus. There's they're on to a rhythm. They obviously have the quality, have the experience, and 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 a belief that you know that let the good times roll type of thing. And 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 they're proving that now. I don't think it's necessarily a recipe for success that's going to put them uh, as a challenger for for the league. But it's certainly starting to kind of kill some of the the criticisms of the 
post post uh, Ronaldo era and just the sort of the disbelief of what they're going through. I think there's still a lot of changes that need to happen into the team. I think they need to make some signings. I think hopefully they they have that in the transfer in the upcoming two transfer windows. Uh, if not January, then then in the upcoming summer to be able to just bring some some life to the team or or sell some of their players that are still young that they could get some money for if they're not part of the plans. But overall, yeah. you know, they put on they put on a a, a strong team and against the Roma side that um, you know Tammy Abraham, uh, who we didn't expect to to play, it played and. For Juventus, it's just about continuing to get results. I don't see an identity. I don't see a belief. I don't see it something that tells me overwhelmingly that that they're going to uh, make a comeback in the league or go unbeaten for the rest of the year. But overall, it's it's got to be a huge win for a team that's looking for an identity right now. Yeah, I'd jump in and say that I think Chesney needed a big game. I thought he's been kind of shaky in goal for Juve. And him having a big moment, saving a penalty, making a couple other big saves, getting some heroic defending from Chiellini and Benucci, which feel like we've been saying that for the last 15 years, but those two guys, probably because it's true, they have been going for 15 or so years, and, and they just have a nice blend. I think what's really interesting about Juventus is that Allegri has now found his groove of winning kind of ugly, and yeah. Roma had a better XG in this one. They had, I think, two to one and a half, so, so they just didn't finish their opportunities, but I, what I like about this Roma team is they didn't sit back. They, did, they, they tried to be the, uh, the the protagonist. They tried to make some things happen. They were trying to be on the front foot and there was some urgency there that I appreciate because sometimes when you have a Jose Mourinho team, and I know there's a lot of clubs out there that can speak to that when he's been their manager, it doesn't always feel like they, they attack with numbers. It's always, you know, two or three. There's not that big commitment to go forward. And now we're seeing a little bit more five and six. And maybe because he's a little bit more relaxed in Serie A, I don't know, but I still feel like the future is pretty bright for Roma and, and this shouldn't, discourage the fans in, in, in any way as uh, conversely with Juve this is just another sign that Allegri is starting to get I think his team to buy into we it's okay to win ugly we just got to get some results and at some point we're going to have that that moment of time and we'll start to establish our rhythm going forward in a more meaningful way they've got the players now they just got to figure it out and to his point maybe they can find a change or two in the January transfer window to continue to help them uh in that in that transition uh but you know, even without Murata starting, you know, Moise Ken didn't know much about that header, but he claims the goal anyway. Uh, Chiesa, maybe not his best game, but he's still always very, very dangerous. It's going to be interesting. And I don't know. I think both of these teams are obviously in a shout for the top four. But but if I look at Serie A overall, I feel like AC Milan is the big winner. I mean, Napoli won again. Super impressive 1-0 win. Victor Osimhen scored in the 82nd minute. Eight, eight wins from eight there, yeah. Unbelievable, unbelievable. Completely on fire. We can get into them in a little bit. But Milan coming back from 2-0 down against Helias Verona to, to score three goals in the last 15 minutes. You have Giroud and Zlatan on the field at the same time. You love to see that, right? So there's something about Milan I like as well, but I think they benefit the most from Inter and Roma both losing in this one. They've, they've started to create a little bit of a gap, as you can see there with the standings. So... Some big, big wins. You know, Lazio obviously uh, getting a win over Inter is important. Atalanta scoring four, you know, and, and starting to welcome Luis Muriel back in a more meaningful way as he starts to get back into top health. So I love uh, this league is super competitive and and uh, I'm glad it's on Paramount Plus because I feel like we get even more and more insight on it. Yeah, absolutely. Only 10 points separate number one, Napoli and seven Juventus. And to your point uh, about the race uh, for the top four is even tighter as well. By the way, has it, have you guys changed your mind at all on who's winning? Said, yeah, Heath, I, I'm sticking with AC Milan, but Napoli, eight wins from eight. They seem, uh, well, they are right now it, unstoppable. 
it's it's one of those things where I, I'm my belief is going up. This was around the time of year last year where we started to analyze AC Milan uh, and saying like, could they actually do it? And I was still a believer that AC Milan were going to run with run away with it. Obviously, circumstances changed based on Europe, and we saw Inter Milan just hit their form, get knocked out of Europe completely, and just the perfect storm to run away. That I'm looking at Napoli, going, man, circumstantially. You know, how are they going to make it? It's a long way, right? They're on a, a, a an absolute tear. But I don't see them head and shoulders above an AC Milan or an Inter Milan at the moment. So I worry about uh, the longevity of that with a couple of injuries uh, coming to Napoli or or a tough spell if, if they can squeak that out. We saw AC Milan start to, start to fall apart uh, in the spring of last year when, when I just thought, man, these guys are unstoppable uh, in a lot of ways. And so I, I still believe uh, AC Milan are the team that I want I want to 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 hold on for this season but uh Nap- again I hope Napoli proved me wrong cuz it would be uh, great dramatics for Serie A. Yeah. yeah, I have Inter Milan. That was my pick. It it's I'm not I don't know. I guess I'm on the fence as to whether they can do it or not. It's still very early. I they do have the players to do it. They just have to tighten things up defensively and I think that's where Napoli only conceded two goals so far in eight games is super impressive. Yeah. And and uh it's it's you know, we've we've talked about balance and a lot of these teams and they have success. So they good on both sides of the ball. And, and right now, that's what you're seeing from Napoli. And Victor Osiman, he had <sighs> 10 goals, 10 goals and three assists last season. Excuse me, just 10 goals in 20 plus games last year and had a little bit of an injury. Never really felt completely settled under Gattuso, but did score the odd goal. But now you can see him both both in, in European competition and domestically. Seven goals. He's got five goals in seven games. Excuse me, two assists already. I mean, and now stepping up and scoring match winners late in games. I mean, it's just you can see him taking on more responsibility, feeling more comfortable in the system, and that he's got a manager in Spalletti that really knows how to put him in good spots to have success. And if they can stay healthy, I think they're going to be there till the very end. Just a matter of whether they can, you know, manage it in the last month when things get really tight. And that's where that that experience that Inter Milan gained last year and where Juve's had for the last decade. They know how to win those tight games at the very end to go on to win the Scudetto. Yeah, uh, Victor Osman, 22 years old during his unreal. Thing. Yeah, unreal. a very good point, by the way. Yes, that's right. The African Cup of Nations uh, in January, beginning of January until February. So you'll miss a, a few stars there. So they'll have, but that's every every club with major African players has to deal with that headache. All right, let's go to Spain, La Liga. Some games, by the way, were postponed to uh, to Carnival World Cup qualifiers, which. Uh, you know, I, it, it's a it's a tricky situation here because I don't think it's something that the Spanish Federation approved of. It's more like a the actual La Liga requested it, but Granada and Atleti was postponed. Uh, Real Madrid and Athletic uh, Bilbao was postponed, but Barcelona went three one against Valencia. Uh, that was the uh, Serginio Dest uh, against Yunus uh, Musa game right here. By the way, before we get into the game with Barcelona, and I talk to these guys about it and if you're a Barcelona fan make sure that you uh, drop in a comment and a question but there was also a very important meeting that was uh, meant to happen today obviously their AGM um, where obviously Barcelona being run uh, and uh, you know co-shared co-led by by the members of the club etc there was you know it's a very important meeting we're talking about you know over 4,000 of them uh, trying to see if uh, they will approve Joan Laporta's uh, basic uh, message and request to, to, of all the things that need to happen in order for Barcelona to finally get out of that 1.4 billion, by the way, in debt. One of the things that he wants to do is get another loan from Goldman Sachs, by the way. That's one thing he wants As to you do. do. Yeah, As exactly. you do. The other, th- uh, and that's necessary for a major project that they want to do, which is renovate uh, Newcomb because it's an absolute, 
it's just it's breaking down camp now. So they need to fix that. They want to also, you know, just basically renovate the entire thing and and do a lot of things in order to get out of the financial nightmare that they're in. And he needs their approval. He can't just do it. Uh, but that meeting was uh, suspended because obviously there's a game going on and Barcelona had to play against Valencia and they win 3-1. Uh, Ansu Fati scores. He good wins goal. a penalty. Yeah, very good goal. A messy as goal, I would say. Yeah, I, I agree. Sergio Aguero as well. He came in. Uh, his uh, competitive debut for Barcelona. Sergino Desta played well as well, but Yunus Musa did, was caught napping in that Coutinho goal as well. So talk to me about Barcelona, Jimmy Conrad. Uh, what, what, do you, what do you make of it? Yeah, still a dumpster fire, in my humble opinion. <laughs> Sergino Desta, what I'll say is that they put him out high up on the wing. They clearly saw how much success I assume he was having with the U.S. men's national team and put He's him in his literally spot. playing in Messi's position. You know, he is, <laughs> which is crazy. And, and he had an assist today and he was, he was busy. He was in and around the ball. And, and that's incredible to think about that. We have an American international playing Messi's old position at Barcelona. I can't even believe those words are escaping my lips. So, so that's, that's cool. I thought it was a good performance from Barcelona. They went down early as well. So mm. You get the fans, but, you know, Jose, uh, Jose Gaia scored an amazing goal for Valencia. Sometimes when you're a team that's away from home, you score that early. You're like, God, I gotta, we got to hold the lead for 85 minutes. And, and that's always tough. And, and Ansu Fati scored eight minutes later. And it was a fan, fantastic goal. Great. And his, his yeah. future is incredibly bright. Uh, Memphis Depay, Gaia actually got called for the penalty. I thought he got to the ball first before he got Ansu Fati. But Barcelona at the camp now, yeah, all right, you're going to give it to them. They're struggling right now. So they get one right before half, and I think that changed the game a little bit. But it was great. When Musa did come in, even though he was sleeping, they put him in central mid. Another reflection of, of maybe his success with the men's national team, that maybe Musa's best spot is not out on the wing, where they have him out sometimes uh, under Jose Bordalas at, at Valencia, but maybe, maybe more central. So I hope he gets more minutes there, because I think that's his future with the men's national team. Yeah, I fully agree with that. And and the, the thing that I wanted to, to say, by the way, is the delegates for that vote, uh, LME, were still sitting, going to sit down when they got scored on. Uh, yeah. Well, from oh, I, I I was reading, they were all it. in the room. Yeah. It was all ready yeah. to happen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is which is wild. <laughs> like they were still like getting settled in when they got scored upon, and that oh might swing God. swing some of the decisions. But yeah, I think Jimmy did a great job of 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 giving an, an example. I think especially from the American side. Um, uh, a, a unique look into what these players might be able to do. Even Sergio Dest, actually the argument of saying Yunus Musa into the central midfield, what can Sergio Dest do for us as a national team if he's playing high and wide? You couldn't really argue against the guy if he's going to play every game at the uh, at the winger spot for Barcelona that he wouldn't be uh, you know, a starter for the U.S. men's Could national team. Could you imagine? Team All this time position. we've been talking about Sergio <laughs> Dest as an outside back and he's going to play into playing winger no, for us. No, we've been talking about him as a 60-minute 60 <laughs> minute a game outside back, yeah. which is unheard is he, of, where you get 60 and then you sub hey, him out because you need somebody to defend. Hey, Heath, <laughs> Heath is he better than Ronaldinho, Sergio Dest? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, without saying. I mean, what do we, hey, that's not even a conversation. Luis, you get tweet the that. Out. You tweet that and then I'll quote tweet you my answer, okay? You say it and then I'll follow up on it. I, I will not tweet that, but I want every Barcelona fan, please, if you're watching, to give us a comment just on your club. We'd love to just see what you think. Is it getting easier for you to deal with all this mayhem or is it uh, still horrible? Well, let's keep talking about La Liga for a second because uh, Rayo Vallecano continues to uh, stick around for a Champions League spot as well. They, you know, they, they're doing their thing. And also, by the way, Real Sociedad are worth a mention. Again, they're doing, Jimmy, they're doing the same thing that happened last season. They're, starting very well and then obviously they dropped a little bit what do you make of that 
I just think they're well organized. I think that uh, their manager Alguasi, I hope Sil is what I'm saying. Emmanuel Alguasil, Alguasil. That's what Alguacil. I'm going to go with. Yeah. And uh, they, I just think they're really well balanced. And then you have players that are performing, and and they're very good at home. And even though they got a red card in this one against Mallorca, you got Alexander Isak up top who didn't have the best game, but still is busy. He's going to create space with his runs and his mere presence. And that Porto came in for our Yarsabal. Yarsabal has been very, very good for both club and country yeah. this particular season. Mikel Moreno is sick. Uh, Yanase, for all you Man United fans, Yanase plays a role for La Real as well. And then just on, in the back, they've just been very good and solid and complete. And they're just a team that has, we saw this with La Real last season, where they started off pretty hot. They did well in the Europa League. And then they started to hit that spot where they couldn't score goals. And they just, their defense couldn't keep up giving up barely, you know, having trying to get clean sheets every game to survive. Yeah, look so how tight that is, by the way. Yeah, that, it's yeah. really tight. But they've only given up seven goals so far this season. They're not scoring a lot either. So that's my big fear is that when you look at their goal difference, it's a little bit different from the bigger clubs. And it's going to be harder for them to maintain because you can't walk that 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 fine line of one zeros your way to the title. It just it's really hard to do. I would love to know where they are at, at, where where they were after ten games last season as well because they were they were somewhere up there. I agree they uh, were in the top two or three for a good amount of time. And again, when when I think back about uh, Napoli, obviously completely different level of uh, size of club uh, in terms of underperforming or overperforming expectations. Just how long of a season it is that a couple results when you have other clubs in Syria or La Liga that aren't are going to go on these long runs of five, six games unbeaten and what that means points wise that you can quickly drop into Dude, a, a Europa League or a conference spot. I found it for you. They were first after week 13. Yeah, last season. there you go. They were exactly. they were in first for uh, seven of the first 13 weeks yeah, and then week 13. They were killing it. And then they yeah. dropped all the way down to seventh by week 31. So hey, it's, here's tough. A, it's tough. Here's a, here's a random question. I know you guys are, are, are covering this another thing, but I just wanted to get your takes on this. Would you rather be uh, Atletico Madrid, who has a game postponed, right, rest, if effectively resting, or would you rather be uh, a, a Liverpool. Liverpool in the form that they're in coming off of a week and going into a midweek clash? Who has who has the advantage? Rest? Well, that's a good question inter for international break, International break, right? You're coming back. You get a rare moment of rest, which nobody gets. Or you get the the form of like, hey, we'll take on anybody right now because we're, we're hitting from all angles. Go ahead, Jimmy. <laughs> I... I uh, I mean, Atleti came into this or into the international break with their 2-0 win over Barcelona. They had beaten Milan. That was probably, it was 2-1 in Milan. I think a draw was a fair result there. But but I think it's better to have a game, to be honest. And and they could go try to find some friendly or play amongst themselves in an inter-squad game or whatever. But but there's something about, you know, getting your cutting your teeth a little bit. And I think that Liverpool benefited from not having a difficult opponent. Not to say that Granada isn't a difficult opponent, but, but it's just been nice to kind of get those reps to, to kind of figure out coming out of the international break, who's healthy, who can I rely on now that we got Liverpool, who's going to chase most Salah the whole game. And then conversely, who's going to chase Sadio Mane and then a red hot Rob, Robbie, uh, Bobby Firmino. You know, these are all these questions that now he has to wait to see the answers during the game. And I think that's a little bit more difficult. Yeah, no, I'm going to completely agree with you. And uh, I'd love to hear what the viewers uh, have to say as well on that one. And by the way, when you face a team, like Liverpool, or when you face a team like Atletico Madrid, you need your reps because you're going to have to deal with a lot, a lot, a lot. They're not uh, somebody that likes to sit. They're going to be in your face, so you better be match ready. All right, let's uh, move on here to the Bundesliga. 
So fun, Bundesliga. Bayer Leverkusen, <laughs> you know, they're trying to, you know, the winner of Bayer Leverkusen and Bayern Munich was going to go top of the Bundesliga. And, you know, Bayer Leverkusen feeling good in third place at the beginning of the day, thinking they're going to do their thing. Oh, it's halftime. Five nothing to Bayern Munich. The game ends up five one to Bayern Munich and they jump top of the table. Borussia Dortmund uh, won on uh, Saturday. Incredible stuff. First of all, I mean, Heath, that's just ridiculous stuff. I mean, sometimes it's 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 enough to fire a manager after a result like that. Absolutely. I mean, when you look at just how good and the problem with Leverkusen right now is is just how young they are, right? Their biggest contributor is still Florian Wirtz, who's got four goals and six assists in the league. He's 18 years old. Patrick Schick, 25. He's got seven goals. He's their their leading goal. Musa Diaby, 22, four goals and an assist in the league. Like they've got they've still got a lot of youth within all that, but it's a pretty embarrassing result when you're that size of any kind, right? We are going after Bochum when they had the 7-0, and Bochum's supposed to get battered by Bayern Munich, right? But you're talking about Leverkusen, a team that plays Europe consistently, a team that has uh, national team players across the, you know, across the board. And we're uh, going to go top of the Bundesliga if they won yeah. this game. And, and, and I mean, that's a statement win for, for, for Bayern Munich, obviously. But, yeah, overall, it just shows you the, the disparity. Um, but, you know, I, and I don't give any excuse. I, I don't give – I don't want to give too much credit to Bayern Munich because – you can put a third Bundesliga team against Bayern Munich in the cup and you can go a half without getting scored on. You can at least give up a couple goals and just that mentality and fight. It just showed that there's some vulnerabilities in that team. Um, but yeah, again, maybe this is a result of coming off of the international break. I don't know, but that's that's embarrassing. That's personal uh, when you get to that point going in at halftime. Yeah, I'll just jump in and say that prior to this game, Lewandowski hadn't scored in two straight Bundesliga games, which is... That, that's a slump for that guy, you know? So so for him to then get in and score three minutes in, it's like the last thing you want. You want to frustrate him and not let him get into the flow and get that confidence going again. Yeah. So I thought Bayer Leverkusen in particular didn't come out with the right attitude. I don't think they were set up very well because they had two somewhat attacking players in their their double pivot. They have Demir Bay and Amiri who, who okay, Demir Bay will sit a little bit, but he wears the number 10 shirt, okay? And then you got Amiri who likes to be out on the – on the way, he just likes to run, you know, and he'll be out on the wing or he'll come inside. And it just felt like I, I appreciate the swashbuckling attitude that you're at home. And you know what? We're going to go toe to toe with these suckers. But I don't know if you try to go toe to toe with Bayern Munich. I think you have to be a little bit more pragmatic in, in your approach. And it's kind of funny. It doesn't matter who manages them or who plays on their team. They have the nickname Bayern Neverkusen because they never win anything. And so yeah. this just shows another piece of evidence that, yeah, they have the talent and you can see their potential but they never realize it because they just can't win the big games. You, yeah. you by the way, the, they gave up a goal at home in the fourth minute. This game was at home for Liverpool. I know, which I is, get which it. It's absurd. You give up Crazy. a goal in the fourth minute, usually you, you 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 settle back into the game. At least you have home, you have uh, whatever. Uh, but this was just uh, a complete meltdown and almost like a naivety to think that, oh yeah, we'll just play wide open. And then, you know, Mr. Lewandowski bags on you a second one and then you realize, okay, it's going to be a long day and they don't they learn from were, those mistakes. They were second yeah. to everything though. You yeah. know what I mean? It's just yeah. like, they were just, they were just second to everything. And, and yeah. uh, there was a one goal in particular. I watched it and broke it down and they actually did good pressing, but then they, they, it ended up, I think on the second goal, second or third goal. And they were, they tried to high press 
and they were second to every single pass. 15 passes later, it's in the back of their goal. Like that's it's embarrassing. And if that had happened in MLS, honestly, be like, oh, this is why I don't watch MLS. Well, right. this, look, this happens well, at happens, the highest levels all over the place. It happens dude. to the U.S. men's national team away. I'll tell you that much. They arrive. <laughs> they, ar they arrive always, but late. Uh, to uh, those, uh, well, uh, I, hey, at least you arrived. Peru, the Peru doesn't even show up. All right, hey, everybody. We had a poll, by the way. If you could only make one signing. Because we're talking about best players in the world and, and what leagues they play in, etc. If you could only make one signing, who would you choose? Uh, Robert Lewandowski, Mohamed Salah, or Kareem Benzema? Benzema. No and love. here we go, Mohamed <laughs> Salah. I do believe, though, that maybe that's just because he's um, hot. red hot. The, Liverpool, first of all, they probably have a bigger American fan base. I don't know. What do you think? And, and they just are they're watching this. Well, well, Bayern Munich fans in Germany are probably asleep. I don't know. Uh, but I, I think I agree right now. I just, I just think of everything that Mohamed Salah. The problem is, is like you got to also decide like what team specifically are they going for. But what, what do you think, Keith? Who would you go for? I'm going with. I, I actually think I'm going to go with the 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 five percenter there, Kareem Benzema. This guy really? is so good, and he continues to be good. He continues to be good through all the changes. Like Robert Lewandowski's been the guy at Bayern Munich all of this time, right? And he was at at Dortmund as well. But like he's been the guy, and he continues to deliver on that. I think he should. Should be a, a, your multi-ballon d'or winner for sure. But Kareem Benzema, despite controversy, despite the pressure, despite everything like that, continues to score. And I think he's got a a, a bad rep uh, for, for his off the field that I don't think will ever give him the credit that he deserves on the field. So I want to go. I, I think the easy answer is obviously Mohamed Salah um, if I'm building for the future of a team. But I just, I can't, I can't, I, I, I just see him down there at 5%. And I go, gosh, dude, this is going to be one of these guys that goes down in history uh, underserved or underloved, even though he continues to to year after year after year, despite who you bring in or who leaves the club, carry the club on his back um, under immense pressure. Um, and Interesting. so I got to give him credit for that. No, I, I agree with Heath. I mean, we, wow, we could, really? Well, I I wouldn't go with him. I guess it depends. To your point, Luis, who who is he surrounded by? Right. Because Mosalah. Is, is is a winger and he needs to pick up the ball and not have to drop all the way back to get it. All right, so let me bring it like this, Jimmy. Yeah. To you. Let me let me bring it like this. Each if you're team, Newcastle, you get all of them. You get all of them in this yeah. window, Jimmy. You get all no, of them. No, each team Money, has Jimmy. like everything they need except that specific, you know, uh position. So Mohamed Salah, Lewandowski, and Karim Benzema, who would it be? Uh I I I honestly, in terms of consistent production, I would probably go with Lewandowski mm. just because. The number nine's position is so important. You, I, if you didn't have a Mo Salah, I still think Liverpool could survive and still compete. But when Lewandowski's not in that Bayern team, when you know they have pretty complete team all the way around them, they they would they would they just suffer. And we saw yeah. that in the Champions League uh, not too long ago or two seasons ago with Kareem Benzema. Though I just felt like if you're starting a team from scratch, you need somebody to kind of carry your team and do all the work and score all the big goals. He seems to be the guy that seems to step up, no matter to his point, no matter who's on this team. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. I don't know. You're both insane. It's Mohamed Salah. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Listen, I appreciate the guy. I love the guy, but I'm just yeah. saying that that it just kind of there's so many like variations and variables. Don't take the easy answer. Let's go, man. Let's go. That's that's conversation. Easy, that's, yeah, that's easy conversation. That was an easy answer. The easy answer is Mo the correct answer. He said, "Yeah, that is true." You know, sometimes <laughs> the answer is right in front of you. You know, I do want to move it though to uh, somebody that we we like on this show, but really, we're just I'm counting the days here. To be honest, Freiburg and Leipzig draw one all. Nothing really is going right here for Jesse Marsh. Uh, Heath, what, what do you make of this? Uh, how long does he have? Is is the clock ticking, or are they, you know, I, I'm just worried about him. 
I, I don't know, man. Like it must be ticking. And I, I think New York Red Bulls are an example of the Red Bull family not being afraid to make changes and wholesale changes over time. And uh, as I went back to think about like, yeah, he's part of the family. He's in the, he's, he's raised in the system. He's gone from one to the next to the next. It all makes sense. If you're not getting the results at a club like that, they have the ability to make those changes. So I feel like his, his um, freedom is, is, is kind of disappearing now. And I think that you, you, you start to look at it and you go, Hey, okay, it's one game. Okay. It's two. Is there something here? Okay. Injuries. Maybe you look at it internally. You don't think it's a big deal, but now you're starting to see like, Hey, this team's struggling period uh, to get results. And so I think I, you have to start questioning, is this, is this the guy? And, and, and I, I do want to point out that RB Leipzig have historically overperformed expectations, right? They've o- overperformed the money that they spend. The system has worked. And it's been one of those, you know, probably sweep it under the rug type things where sometimes you get away with results and you run on adrenaline, you run on uh, kind of good vibes for a while. And I think they're going through that now. It just unfortunately sucks that Jesse Marsh is at the helm of that club and it may cost him his job. Uh, yeah. And certainly not a great look for, for um, you know, the respect for American managers that we want to come in there and, you know, to follow up, um, you know, managers or, or predecessors who have been successful. It's a tough position to be in. They also haven't gotten the signings. They haven't gotten any of the the normal quality of players. It would be nice if they had uh, a, a Patrick Sh- um, Stick there um, or Schick it's there. It's the perfect uh, storm, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it, it's a lot of those things. And I don't want to make excuses. I am a little bit biased towards Jesse Marsh and, and the success I want to see him have. But, but you, I don't know how long you get uh, considering how big of a club you would you would consider RB Leipzig at this point. Yeah, I I want to do th- I want to throw a couple caveats there. They're on a four game unbeaten streak in in the league. They've got two wins and two draws in the last four. They're taking okay. on Fry- Freiburg, fourth place right now. The only team in the Bundesliga yet to lose a game, and and they've only given up three goals at home all season. So he's away from home against a team that has a pretty good identity about who they are and what they're about. But they're poor and in the Champions League, too. They lost their last Champions League in the middle of all that. I get that. I get that. And I think that has to be taken into consideration. And, and what I would group, add... By the way. Sorry. It's a, a yeah, terrible yeah. group for them to and be in. But like, Of still. course it is. But it's, so it's... it's You know, and, and I think they're, they're, maybe their form in European competition will maybe dictate. Like getting that third-place spot so they can get into the Europa League, I, I assume, is of the utmost... Uh, importance, especially because they have PSG and Man City in their group. So third place, when you when you're when you're running RB Leipzig and you see that group, you're like, all right, we 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 have to at least lock down third place. So that's going to be the big challenge for him. I'm not too worried. I was worried there for a while where they weren't getting results. They have a lot of talent, and when I look at like goal difference in the league, they're the they they got plus eight, and that's the same as Borussia Dortmund. Borussia Dortmund's just turned a few of those losses, or you know on the precipice of being a loss and a draw into a win because somebody's stepping yeah. up and making a play, either on the defensive side of the ball or on the attacking side of the ball. And they're not getting enough of that. Andre Silva, we could argue, has been a bit of a flop. The guy scored 27, 28 games in the, or goals in the Bundesliga last season for Eintracht Frankfurt. He, I think he only has one in the run of play and the other one's a penalty. So it's just, he's not firing at all cylinders. Already back to Yusuf Polson being the guy up top. So I still feel like they're trying to figure out who their best 11 is. I think the identity's there, but who their best 11 is. And he's got to lock that down soon. If he can't figure that out, to his point, they're going to find somebody else to figure it out instead. Well, next up is PSG. And, you know, they get a result. Maybe uh, never, uh, that's right. you know. everything, everything changes. Well, everything that's changes. why they lost. They, they, they As lost Manchester United Bruce. and Ole Gunnar will let you know. Anything yeah, changes yeah, if you beat PSG. Yeah. All right. This is uh, <laughs> the end of our recap. But before we uh, we go, I would love final thoughts. Uh, Jimmy Conrad, final thoughts, buddy. 
Yeah, I just want to give a shout out to Johan Vasquez, a Mexican international, 22-year-old, scored the game-tying goal for Genoa today. He's a center back defender. Uh, he's got two caps to the Mexican national team. And I just thought it was a cool a cool moment for him and, and uh, just wanted to give him a shout out. And to the Red Bulls, they had a big win over NYCFC to even even them on points, which is which is pretty cool as they fight for one of the last playoff spots in the Eastern Conference. So a couple shout outs to some North American clubs and players. I love it. I love it. Heath? Yeah, my shout outs are are similar in the sense that I want to give a shout out to Zach Steffen, who got a start in the Premier League. That's awesome. Um, and their win, a which clean I, think sheet. Is, I, I think is huge. I, you can obviously they're obviously listening to uh, the K Galasso pod where we're arguing <laughs> who should be the number one. And if Zach Steffen's not playing, how could well, he be the number one? He's a friend of the K Galasso. Yeah. Was running, and yeah. so and so I think there's uh, some legitimate arguments to that. And then obviously but, uh, the other shout out is to LAFC and LA Galaxy, both getting huge wins over the weekend as they are on their quest in the in the Western Conference to make a playoff spot that the Western Conference is now heating up, so make sure you're paying attention to that. And that's my final thoughts. I love it. I love it. Um, I'm just going to give uh, a shout-out to uh, David Ginola, if you remember him. He was on Sky Sports as part of his punditry for Newcastle Tottenham, and he said some great things about, you know, just things that, you know, they're obvious, but they need to be heard. He was very honest about and open about, the fibrillators uh, being in stadiums, but also about how everybody should really at some point really try and learn CPR. You will never know when you mm-hmm. might need to use it. Well, he um, he collapsed. He was he was one that was right. he 12, was talking they, from they personal did experience. CPR for 12 minutes on him uh, until they were able to get him to that. And again, going to, back to that point that that education is super important. Totally. He was talking from personal experience. Absolutely right there. Uh, but Heath Pierce, thank you so much, uh, my man and Jimmy Conrad as well. But Heath, thank you, Heath. Thank you very much. Jimmy, thank you, brother. Money solves all problems. Thank you, everybody. Appreciate <laughs> you. Go Newcastle. Everybody, thank you so much. Make sure to catch our Champions League Match Day 3 preview, which will be available on Monday in audio and video form. We recommend consuming both for the full immersive experience. And you guessed it, we'll be going live after Tuesday and Wednesday's games for more reactionary fun like this one. Be part of the conversation with us in the comments section. Thank you for watching or listening. Follow Kego Lasso Podcast on Twitter, Kego Lasso Pod. Subscribe to the Kego Lasso page on YouTube and hit that notification bell. And of course, subscribe to Kego Lasso wherever you get your podcasts. And just keep saying Kego Lasso. It's a great thing to say. If you get a good dinner tonight, Kego Lasso. It's the best thing ever. But thank you so much, everybody. We will see you next time. Bye-bye. Have a great night. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.